You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. What's up, everyone? It's me, Joe, and welcome to episode 29 of That's Awesome with Joe. Um, I don't have too much to talk about this week. I will tell you that we've been recording a ton of interviews over the course of the week and scheduled out a bunch more, so we have a lot of content coming for you guys soon. Um, this week, I had on Aaron Polly of, uh, of Mice and Men. Oh, that's hard to say. I've had I had Aaron Polly of Of Mice and Men on this week. Um, we actually only met briefly before, so this is the first time that we were really able to sit down and talk. So it's pretty fun. Um, I know we have a ton of mutual friends in common. I've only ever heard great things about the dude, uh, and watching him perform when we played Shiprock together was pretty great. He he's a really really talented dude. So. This was fun. Um, I'm not going to talk anymore. I'm going to send it over to the interview. so much for joining us hey how are you thanks for having me i am great how are you doing doing well uh i actually had just finished a round of mixes that i sent to everybody so oh that's exciting yep so i'll probably have more work after this interview <laughs> yeah i i actually uh right before this interview just bounced down a bunch of stems for someone as well so there you go i think we're both carving out times in our day to do this stuff <laughs> yep um, but yeah, so thanks for coming on. Um, I want to start. Uh, why don't you just do a quick introduction of yourself, who you are, where you're from, and uh, you know the normal, boring, general stuff that you always got to do. Uh, my name is Aaron Polly. I uh, sing and play bass in the band of Mice and Men. I'm from Vacaville, California, originally, but now I live in Southern California, uh, specifically Huntington Beach. Um, oh, not far from me. Yeah, and so um, yeah, that's basically it. Where is Vacaville? So it's basically, it's almost halfway in between Sacramento and San Francisco. Okay, got it. Interstate 80. Got it, got it. Okay, cool. For some reason, I always thought, I, I think I always get it confused with Victorville, which I know is- Ah, yes. They are I've different. never been to either place, um, but yeah, they're both got Vs in it. There you go. Um, yeah, so- Look, I, I guess I'll give you a little bit of background uh, about what I know, because uh, you know we, we, I think we met briefly on Shiprocked this year, um, but I think that's the only time that you and I have really seen each other in person, because I've only been in Ice Nine for a little bit, and that's the only time I think we've played with each other Yeah. Um, thus far in my tenure. Um, so I think I, I've seen you perform several times, though. Um, a couple times at Warped, um, and I want to say I may have even played with you at one point in 2015 or 2016 with my old band, but I could be what totally was wrong. It? it was called the Venetia Fair. We were just kind of like a, we were like a D-level touring band for a very long time. Where was home, <laughs> like, where, where, where was home base? Boston. 
Okay. Yeah. Because no, but that, I think that, does, we, that does sound familiar. Yeah, I think it might have been like in New Hampshire or something. I don't know. It was one of those like weird New England like festival shows that are not really a festival. It's just a really long show. Yeah. Yeah. One of those. Um, but I've been following, obviously you guys have been, your, your, your name is very established in the scene. So I think everyone's kind of been following the career. Um, I know we were at my very first tour. We were basically following your tour. Like we were off by one day, I think in like several venues. That's always such a bummer too, because I know, I know. I feel like touring is that like you're just perpetually always missing people by a day. Right. And it was also, you know, cause our sound guy is your drummer's brother. Yep. So we do have that connection as well. Shout out. Elmer. Um, yeah. So we were always trying to cross paths, but it never worked out. But, um, yeah, so I've been following the career and everything, but unfortunately it sucks that we actually haven't gotten a chance to, to really meet and hang out or anything. So I'm looking forward to, uh, to kind of learning about your, your journey and everything. Dude, definitely. And yeah. isn't it isn't it crazy to think like given the last nine months that we've had that we were on a boat right around yeah. the start of the pandemic, like after the official start of the pandemic? I know. Um, I know. I think back to that and I'm like, man, that was that was crazy. Hey, but that you guys, is, you that... guys absolutely crushed it. Oh, thank it you. Was, man. It I... was really great getting to see you guys because, you know, we always talk about it, too. Uh, we've been talking about it for the last several years, how it would be awesome to play more shows with ice nine, but we always seem to miss you guys by like a day or two. And then we're both on festivals, but we're on separate days. Yeah, I know. I think that happened three times last year. Yeah, I think, but it is what it is. It will happen one day. I'm sure we'll end up doing a bunch of stuff together at some point. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's, let's talk about like, you know, kind of what got you to where you're at. So I know that you were also, uh, in Jamie's elsewhere before, right? Yeah, we actually just released a a new song for the first time in Yeah, I, know, I was going to ask about that. But let's go back even before that. So, how did you kind of get into music? Like what got you started playing in bands and stuff? Uh, you know, in middle school, me and a bunch of my friends, we kind of just started a little middle school garage band just mm-hmm. for fun. I think we right. maybe wrote half a song. What was never, the name, do you remember? Never played a show. Yeah, Menace to Society. Nice. Yes. It was a punk band. Yeah, of course. And, you know, and so then I think uh, by the time I was a freshman or sophomore, I started jamming with people at my local high school that were just mm-hmm. musicians. Mm-hmm. Uh, ended up befriending uh, twin brothers, Matt and Charles Vincent, uh, who went on to be a band called The American Scene. Like, uh, if you've heard of them, they're a wow, I have Pure, Noise, yeah, Pure Noise Records band. So me and the two yeah. of them and a, a few of our friends kind of, you know, rotating in and out. But it was usually me matt and charles and we just kind of made lots of music in high school and college and just always made a bunch of different projects and tried to play shows as often as we could and were you playing in like metal bands at that time in high school uh no i think the closest we ever got was a post-hardcore band that leaned maybe more towards got it early metalcore but not really i wouldn't even call it metalcore i would say what was we were just kind of a post-hardcore band what was the the scene like where you were uh, it was Northern California. So it was back when we were playing shows. Uh, if you're familiar with the band of Skylet Drive, yep, yep. they were kind of the band that we ended up playing most of the shows that we were playing with, Got um, it. people, you know, like, like when you end up, when you're in a local band and you're, you're jumping around on bills, you know, in the local scene and in local venues and whatnot, you end up on bills with a lot of the same bands. Well, right. They right. were definitely one of those bands. Uh, the venues, you know, it, it kind of ranged from, you know, San Francisco was 45 minutes um, to the west and Sacramento was like 35 minutes to the east. Mm-hmm. So, you know, venues like the Boardwalk yeah, I was just or, say that or venues in San Francisco, like the Pound, um, you know, and like Balazzo Art Gallery and just a lot of places that would pop up and you yeah. know, shows there for I don't know, a few years and then they right. closed down and the buildings would be condemned. But, mm-hmm. you know, um, that's it, interesting, it, you know, because I'm from really cool. I, I, Dance, I think, Dance was another one of them. Oh, of course. Right. I actually just someone made me look up a, a video of them playing like a local show from so long ago. And it's, they've been fire for a decade. And yeah, I, for uh, real. <laughs> um, but, you know, I always like to ask that because I'm I'm from the northeast. You're from the kind of northwest. And we're I think we're around the same age. Um, how old are you? I'm, 
I'm 30. You're not supposed 30, to ask people that. Am I 30 or 31? Dude, I'm, okay. I ask, I'm 31. I ask my lady anytime I'm, I'm because I'm not sure of my age ever. I, I always go, I'm, am I 30? I'm 32. Am I 32? Yeah. I can't. I'm, I'm like, about to be 32. 32. So, yeah. So we're yeah, around the same same age. age. So it's interesting to hear like what the differences in like the local scenes were. I feel like it's so different now, you know, with with the internet and how bands promote themselves and oh, stuff. Yeah. So well, the scene used to be the scene. It was the place right. you went that you heard about new music, you know. Right. There, I think And most, it's interesting to just hear how the internet was like HXCMP3 and like pure right. <laughs> Yeah. But it's so, cool to see yeah. the different styles of music coming out of different areas of the country, you know, like where there was nothing like a Skylet Drive where I was, really. Or or even really like Dance Gavin Dance when I was in high school playing shows. It was very much like Boston hardcore and like beat down metal. For sure. You know, <laughs> which was really fun. I loved it, but very different. But anyway, um, so is this you were playing bass in these bands or were you always doing vocals? No, I, I played guitar and sang. I never ah. played bass in a band ever until uh, of Mice and Men. I've never played bass in a band until Ice Nine. Right, and then like so you, so you were a guitar player, I'm assuming, right? Before? I actually was in in the band that I spent the most time in. I was uh, I played keys. Oh, nice. And but before that, I played guitar. Uh, I just really wanted to play piano in a band because it's my favorite instrument. But that's so um, sick. That's one I wish yeah. I learned. But now, yeah, I'm really glad I did. Um, but yeah, so. Interesting how that works out, right? So you were playing guitar, and then how did you end up? It, it was Jamie's Elsewhere, like your first band that kind of was like a real thing, like a serious thing. Uh, I mean, my local bands. I think back in the day, we definitely took it seriously from the time I think I was in high school. But uh, as far as it's hard to know what serious means when yeah, in it, that I mean, time too, as, you know? as as far as like actually having industry infrastructure and whatnot mm-hmm. but yeah as far as like grinding and hustling to make our own cds and t-shirts and to try and book as many shows and merch then we did that but as far as like actually being a band that has an infrastructure that goes on tour you right. know it has to do right. accounting basically <laughs> uh, right yeah, right basically yeah you're a business yeah 100 percent. so that was right. that was the first um for that and it was actually funny because i'd actually tried out to be in bless the fall um before they had Bo when they were trying oh, out. Really? Huh. Uh, I had tried out and it didn't work out. And then within, I think a week or two, um, the guys in Jamie's had hit me up and I was like, you know, at, at that point in my life and just in music career and just what I was like, what I was inspired by, I wasn't really saying no to a lot of things. I was yeah. just kind of like, yeah, cool. I used to record like local bands in my, uh, in my living room. I had a studio. And I would charge like a hundred bucks a day or a hundred fifty. Yeah, I was bucks doing the same thing. We have very similar yeah. stories here. Very interesting. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think that like a lot of us that end up doing this for a career do that because we right. spend so much of our time invested in it that there's kind of no plan B for better. Right, or worse. right. Yeah. Um, how did you end up like knowing that crowd? Was it all just local bands in the area? Yeah, I think it was that. It was just going to shows. Um, you know, I knew a lot of people that put on shows, whether it was mm-hmm. in the punk scene or the hardcore scene or, you know, kind of our um, early 720 records, early Rise Records, Artery Foundation, because that was all Sacramento. Right. Yeah, I worked for Artery for a bit. Yeah. So it was like that was all the <laughs> Sacramento scene. And right. I think like a lot of and a lot of bands from the East Coast, like would always come to the boardwalk and stuff. So there was. There were just a lot of places to go that you could go and actually be immersed in the scene, you know, before it was like right. mostly social media and online now. And now right. that we're in a pandemic, it's like, well, at least it's at least, I'm glad it exists there. Um, but yeah, yeah it's kind of different than from when, when we were younger. So you know, like, different. So I would different. I would when I lived in Vacaville, I'd go downtown to the uh, KUIC building, which was like the downtown local radio station building. And they had a like retaining wall kind of out front. And it was like me and the hardcore kids that would go to the shows. And that's where we'd post up and hang out. Yeah. It's hard to think like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think if that story, if your story is still as likely to happen today. Of like just, you know, having guys hit you up and being like, hey, I know this dude. He's always around at shows like he's pretty good. Let's have him try out. 
I think it could definitely happen, but I think, oh, I think it does happen, but I, I just I think mean like, more so it's, it's, it's almost even expanded because now it's, you know, internet. Yeah. People we, like do YouTube auditions and stuff. Oh yeah. I mean, we recorded obsolete over zoom. Like mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen my bandmates since ship rocked <laughs> like yeah. at all. I haven't seen them <laughs> once. So it's pretty, you know, I, I think, and in the same token, you couldn't do that. 10 or 11 years ago. I don't no. think, I think making no. records remotely would have been a lot more difficult with a lot more finite decision-making instead of how now everything is so flexible. We can well, send project files back and forth and whatnot. It's also, it was harder to find people that could navigate the software as easily back then too. Very true. That's part yeah. of the reason why I learned it was because I didn't, I, I didn't like having to go somewhere to create recordings. So yeah. I, you know, I, I wish I had myself how to do it. I wish I had taken it more seriously back then because I was just, I got, once I was able to get my ideas in the computer and make them sound right, I was like, okay, I did what I needed to do, but uh, I waited too long and now I'm playing catch up with all that stuff. But I had, that was the thing. It was like, I could get the ideas in and even just local bands in my area, like that's good enough for me. I just need somewhere to do it because no one could do it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But anyway, um, so you end up joining Jamie's Elsewhere just through audition um, yeah. And just they were already like pretty well established, right? They were touring pretty substantially at so, at that time already, right? Yeah. So basically Jamie's Elsewhere as a band debuted in two thousand and seven. Okay. And it was and it was after the dissolution of um if you'd ever heard of the band Mozart season back in oh, the day. Wow. So I haven't heard that name in forever. Yeah, so yeah, vintage. We're getting vintage. Yeah. So um, the Scarpelli brothers, Matt and Anthony, uh, played drums and, uh, Anthony played drums. Matt played guitar, uh, in the original lineup of Jamie's elsewhere. Matt still plays guitar, okay. uh, in Jamie's. but yeah, so they had put out a, an EP and a full length before I had joined the band. And I actually joined the band a month or two after the first full length came out, um, in, August of 2008. No, it was probably earlier than that. It was maybe June. No, April, May, June. I don't know. It's all a blur. Okay. 2008. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So let me see here. So they were already going. You, what year did you join? I joined Jamie's elsewhere in 08. 08. That's right. We played together then. We definitely played together. Oh yeah. At El Corazon. Oh yeah. And with no bragging rights yeah yeah holy shit i'm just i was just trying to put it together in my head i was like where was it what? you know it's wild i literally was talking to tino about that show yesterday really yeah That's i was like crazy. you know what's funny is like uh because nbr they're making a new album are they really uh, yeah and our our guitar tech like our longtime guitar tech uh ryan is actually the bass player of no bragging rights Oh, wow. That's crazy. So I'm tra- like, I think we were, our tours had like collided and they, the promoter like did us a solid and put us on your show. I think that's what it was. Or like they had us in the small room and let, like, let us go play that show or something like a week before they decided it. I remember. Yeah. I remember there was one show where they were like, Hey, we want to combine these two shows. I was like, okay. And they're like, yeah, your show's already almost sold out. I was like, okay. I think it was already sold yeah, out. Yeah. And, and then they said, yeah. And their show is like, mostly sold out too i was like yeah then combine them hell yeah I yeah but that. i think I our i think the cap at our show was something like 65 or something oh like, but still i just yeah. remember i remember it was popping yeah it was a really fun show and and the reason i remember that show so well is we were on tour with this other band and their name i cannot remember their name for the life of me but i think we like my old band was really we we, we had a hard time in the industry because um we had a um, reputation for just being like insane, crazy people. Oh yeah. Um, so we, I think we stole our tour mates' van that night. What was the what was the what was the band name? Oh, it was still that same band, the Venetia Fair, is what it was oh, called. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's so. That's funny. So we have we have played. There's another show we played together. Nuts. Um, so what was that experience like when you were in that band? That you were in that band for what, like th- four years, five, five, four or five years. Yeah. yeah, it was about four years. Uh, it was great. I mean, you Give know, me the highlights, um, the highlights were definitely touring. We didn't really have 
booking agent infrastructure. Um, our old drummer, Anthony, actually started a booking agency so that he could oh, really? book us tours. Yeah, we were booked by TKO for a little bit, and then mm-hmm. TKO like dissolved um, when Dave Kirby passed. Right. And then, yeah. so, yeah, you know, like we, a what lot of- What was his agency called? Uh, TKO Booking. No, the- Oh, right. No, but you're, you said your drummer started an agency, right? Oh, yeah. God, I got to Man, that's like- <laughs> It was just his own thing. I had my own one too. That's why I'm asked. I I ask. I worked with like a network of all these like guys trying to start their own agency. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm going to look it up, but I don't sweat it if you don't have it with you. Yeah. Mine was called Mr. Wizard entertainment. Nice. (laughs) All right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Like, yeah. High points. Give me some highlights. Um, so Oh man, it's really hard. I, I you oh, know, a I lot. Just, I'm just going on the Wikipedia right now, just looking at all the bands that you toured with and stuff. Oh God, yeah, we did a lot of touring with Lower Definition. Um, but yeah, not, but not with Tino. wasn't in the band at that time. He had just left the band at that point. Oh, okay. Um, in I want to say it was November, November into December of 2008. We did the Entourage tour because remember, tours all had to have the name right. in it. Yeah. It's so cringy. It's really funny when you think about it, too, right? Because uh, a person who is like 18 right now would look back at the early 2000s the same way that we would have looked back at the 80s. I know. When we were in high school. And it is really funny to see how like cringy a lot of the tour names were. Yeah. <laughs> There was, ah, man, I always want, I remember where I was in like this, I wanted to start a grind band back in like 2010 and put out an EP called the Kolonoski P. Ah. Just as cringy. (laughs) And it probably would have done well. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, I'm like, yeah, I'm like St. Valentine's Day Massacre. That was the tour that I ended up meeting Phil because Phil played guitar. uh, Phil plays guitar in Mice and Men. Phil played Mm -hmm. guitar in A Static Lullaby. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. So that was the first time I'd met him. um, And that was like an all East Coast tour, like right in the just smack dab in the heart of winter. It was really cold, but it was a lot of Those were always the best. Oh, yeah. The grindy tours like that. And then I'm looking that same year you toured with Ice Nine. Yeah, we well, okay. so I think that Ice Nine tour, that was right around the time that I think TKO had dissolved. And I remember that we had done a few shows and then because I think it was Ice Nine, No Bragging Rights, Us, Before Their Eyes, uh, was it maybe To Speak of Wolves? That's it. Yeah, nailed it. Is that really? Yeah, Damn, you got dude. all of them. I can't remember things. Do you remember the name of the tour? Uh, oh, God, Tour Fast, Tour Fury. Yeah, that's the worst. Because it has, because it has insane, I don't know if you can see the album, the, the, the album artwork, the ad mat I can't. for that tour is like, everybody is like zombies. And it was actually really good ad I'm mat. looking but at it now. I remember we played like a week's worth of shows and then there was like a storm and then a bunch of the shows right in the middle of the tour got canceled. And nobody could literally get from point a to point b oh that's the, the shows worst being canceled so i think we did a week of that tour and then the rest of it got kiboshed but yeah oh well well there you go some history yeah all right well let's move on so when did you end up you you joined of mice and men in what year uh in 2012 so basically in i want to say it was march or april in march we'd played the uh rock and roots festival in bakersfield um jamie's did and we and mice did and so i'd, I'd always mm-hmm. known uh i'd known a bunch of the guys and i'd known um i'd met alan while i was in of mice he was still in college uh before he joined of mice but so i'd known all the guys so like anytime we'd play shows i'd you know always say hey or whatever yeah but, um we actually ended up booking a show in bakersfield at a mall it was like a weird mall food court area (laughs) and it was jamie's elsewhere and uh of mice and men and so we we played of mice played and then at the end at the time uh joel piper was filling in for uh, of mice playing bass and guitar he had pulled me aside and was like hey um i'm not going to be doing bass and vocals for of mice anymore 
you should talk to the guys. And I was like, yeah, I mean, maybe that'd be cool. But like, I don't know. At the time I was doing Jamie's, so it wasn't like something that was really on my mind. But then later on in the evening, um, when me and Tino were hanging out, I had made a joke, you know, kind of like a half joke, but I was like, hey, you know, Joel, t- Joel told me that he's not going to be like continuing with you guys. And I know you guys are on Warped. So if you need somebody to just like sit under the stage and sing the clean vocal parts, I'll do it. And Tino, <laughs> and then Tino goes, hey, well, do you do you play bass? And I was like, well, I play guitar. So, I mean, when you're talking about metalcore music, a lot of the time right. it's, it's it's yeah, very you play bass if you play yeah. guitar. Yeah, yeah, it's very synonymous. So I was like, yeah. And that literally started the conversation. Um, I think I sent over a demo reel uh, of just like different types of music that I'd made with different types of vocals and whatnot. And then, uh, yeah, then I went and Super tried organic. Out. Yeah. And then I went and uh, just jammed with them. And my first show was actually Rock and Roots again in 2012 with them. Um, and then uh, my second show was the first show of Main Stage Warp Tour. Wow. What was that like moving from, uh, I mean, I guess like being stuck behind a microphone playing bass at that point. Um, I'd always enjoyed it because yeah. like before Jamie's, I'd always played guitar and sang. So like right. that, that positioning was always like, uh, and not just the positioning on stage or like behind a microphone, but also like positioning within what your role is with regards to what the audience hears. Sure, sure. I always really liked that. Did um, you miss it though? Like being... I don't know. I, I, I talk to a lot of front men or, or people that become front men that are like, yeah, I don't know if I could go back to, you know, being stuck somewhere. Um, I think now. Yeah, definitely now with how our show has evolved with me not playing bass live. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely prefer to not play bass live. But when did that start happening? So that was in middle it was like april may of 2019 i ended up having to have uh an excision surgery because my dermatologist found like pre-melanoma on my back yeah so um we had actually it was like the very beginning of the Beartooth tour when i got my biopsy results and it's funny because when i got my biopsy when i got my biopsy done you know, they just cut a little piece out of your back and they go, OK, well, we're going to test it. Um, she my dermatologist even told me, you know, this this looks completely benign. Like mm-hmm. it's it doesn't really appear that it's anything. So, right. That's um, good. You know, we'll call you in two weeks and, you know, you'll get your results. And I was like, OK, cool. So and I, and I told her at the time, I said, you know, well, in two weeks, I'm going to be starting the first leg of a, you know, five week tour, six week tour. Yeah. She said, yeah, you know, just judging off of first impressions, I think you're going to be fine. I was like, okay, cool. So I didn't really sweat it. So it's the first day of tour. We're in Arizona and I get the phone call and she goes, yeah, you need to come back. I was like, what do you mean? Whoa, like, I was like, I was like, well, can I, can I just come back after the tour? She's like, yeah, but we'd prefer you didn't. And I was like, well, why? Like, are you telling me I have cancer? And she said, no, it's, it's, it's still, it's pre melanoma. It's not stage one or anything like that um but what does that mean i know nothing about that so basically melanoma is you have melanocytes i believe they're called in your body and they're the things that give you like little freckles and things right Uh Uh, they can just become malignant uh the thing with melanoma though is so melanoma is a skin cancer obviously right right Uh, right. it 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 is the skin cancer that kills people Mm -hmm. um and the thing about it is melanoma can grow laterally across your skin and it can literally like take years before it causes, you know, problems or it can grow straight down into your deeper tissue and your lymph system. And, okay. it, and I, my doctor said it can spread to your organs in as little as six weeks. So I was like, damn, like what the hell? It went from like zero to a hundred. Right. So basically I had to go back to Huntington Beach that night. That uh, sucks. They cut a football shape out of my back around, uh, around the lesion and then they sew it up. And then basically I had to chill for two weeks. And then she said, you can go back out on the road, but you can't play bass for two more weeks. And I was yeah, like, is that just cause the strap or something? No, it's, it's actually, it, it was my right shoulder blade. It was uh-huh. actually just because the having any sort of like weight 
on your upper body and then mm. move it's moving my right arm up and down to play that skin in the back would stretch out and it could possibly right. like tear and okay that makes sense whatever what yeah, yeah whatever reason they tell you to be cautious um that and just like infection and whatnot like it's it's just better to go like i, I still had like pretty wild stitches in my back until um up until like that second leg but even then you yeah, know like i was crazy I, man. even then i was like changing stitches on the road jesus nuts so you went back out on the road not playing bass i don't think i had my stitches at, i don't think i had my stitches by the time i went back out i okay. can't remember to be honest but i do remember yeah so when we went back out we weren't uh i wasn't playing bass live i had just taken stems and put them on the uh, right yeah just taking stems and put them on playback because we we play to a uh, a click track and we have right, things right. like strings and piano um coming through on playback right right and um, our playback's very minimal so when it goes down which it hasn't since we changed to like a hard disk system there's like no more laptop but yeah, well, i want to do that <laughs> i'm telling you it's it's the it's the truth yeah i believe it um but we're not there oh, yet does, but it does make editing on the fly harder so if you're playing right. something you're like oh can we just extend this out it's like oh yeah let me go get the laptop and bounce mm, new steps and that might be a problem new stuff. yeah yeah you know um but so when you went back on the road so this is still your first tour with them that's already kind of like a weird thing to come back on the road like that saying i still can't play um was it awkward like jumping around with the microphone did it hurt like what was that like um no it didn't really hurt like i i i, I hold my mic in my left hand mostly mm -hmm. so like my right hand is just kind of doing whatever the other hand does i guess right right <laughs> and i wasn't really going too hard on it and um no you know it, it was uh it was actually really fun i got to like get up in people's faces and like um yeah Hmm. And, and, and capture some of that energy that we hadn't had in a while at our shows. And at the same time, you know, right. Capture, recapture some of the energy that I felt like I used to feel when I fronted Jamie's. Cause there's something about not being tethered down and being able to kind of move around and build up the energy in the room. Right. Right. Like, and, and you can kind of lose yourself more. Like I, I, I tell people the, the biggest difference is I can just close my eyes and zone out and just sing into a microphone versus yeah, that's a good point versus, versus when you're playing an instrument and singing especially if you're the front person doing it like i had to be very present and very commanding so that energy was very different i think mm. instead of watching instead of all of us kind of partaking in a moment including myself it was more like i had to kind of be band leader for the entire audience like you know kind of yeah. like the, kind of the difference between watching somebody like Anthony green play a show and then watching James Hetfield play a show. Mm -hmm. I think they're both incredible front men, but it, it's a very different sort of experience. Yeah, you're right. Just even the movements are really captivating. It's yeah. And, and it's just, I think what their what your role is, is different. Yeah. I like that take. That's a good hot take on, on being a front man. Yeah. And I think, <laughs> and I think everyone kind of discovers it over time you kind of you at least for me it's just more about like being comfortable enough to share those raw moments with people i kind of feel like that's why i never did it is that i just never had like the i don't know if it's necessarily confidence i i've always really enjoyed like backing someone though you know yeah well and i think like that's being the support system well, and i think that's really important i think that it's it's not even a i don't even think it's a confidence thing i think it's a um whatever you get the most satisfaction out of yeah for for me for years it was playing an instrument and singing it mm -hmm. was it was when i was in high school it was the same feeling playing a local show when i was in high school that i would get stepping on stage with of mice and men in front of like fifty thousand people playing a bass and singing right in europe with fire well that sounds awesome, awesome. <laughs> but it's like but it's the same thing when you close your eyes like you know it doesn't feed your soul the same way and i think like if that's playing piano in a band or right. it's a band it definitely it, has changed for me over time i when i got asked merchandise or it's doing yeah right right I think there's so many different ways that you can feed your soul yeah it's funny you know like i 
I have always been in bands my whole life, but where I get my energy and I think most people, especially fans don't really, I don't, I don't think they identify with this as much as like, I love writing. Like that is my favorite part of being in a band is like being a super nerd sitting at a computer by myself and just like, like pretending I know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that is my favorite experience way more. Like I would do that full time and I love touring and everything, but if I had to like, you know, give up touring, I would pursue just that, just somehow making writing uh, nine to five, you know? Yeah. And I think it's fun because at least for me, I don't necessarily feel like I've ever written anything. I feel like I discover it. I feel like I just take a giant rock that comes out of my brain and I just kind of chisel at it away until there's yeah. some sort of gem or not, or a lump of coal right. in there or something. But I yeah. think it feels a lot like treasure hunting when you're sitting behind a computer and you're trying to get what is in your head to go out of your yeah, head. Yeah, it's really challenging. And back into <laughs> your ears and then back into your head. Yeah, it's like a math problem. <laughs> it is, and it's yep. just kind of, it feels, at least for me, it feels like treasure hunting. It feels like a... Yeah, I like that analogy too. You're good at this stuff. You should write a book. <laughs> should, man, but I'm... Yeah. But I'm, I don't know. <laughs> I don't see. And here's the thing is like, okay, about what? I don't know, but just write some of that stuff down and then it will probably do well. Just hot, like just like a hot coffee. Table yeah. Book. Just hot takes, you know, just, just like, it, it's just like very sort of random notes of the road kind of esoteric. I, dude, I, I, I kid you not. Like I see the artwork for it in a nice, like thin hardcover book with just like short paragraphs on every page. Like, Writing a song is a lot like <laughs> treasure hunting, and then you just write about it. I'm, Next right. page, something else. I need a part. I need a partner. I'm in, dude. I, you know, I, I'm in the process of writing like three or four different books right now that are all are you? nonsense. I'll never I, release them. They're just for me, really. Like, um, how do I do? I just open up like Microsoft Word and type. Yeah, okay, dude. So here's my book. I, none, my, most of my, everything I do is a joke for myself pretty much. So like this, one of the books I'm writing is like a novel that I'm like a hundred and something pages into and it's absolute nonsense. And it's just like, I just read it to people on tour, like on the bus. And then I'm really into making PowerPoint presentations and, um, finding ways to force people to watch my presentations. <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to start you send them out to community colleges in your area. <laughs> They're all really, really, I, when we were just on tour with Papa Roach and Hollywood undead in Europe, it's something that we would all do in the green room. Like I would pit, it was always a uh, shark tank themed on that tour. So I'd be like pitching them a new product. You so know? good. Yeah. So what a lot of, product? um, I was a big fan of dialect, which is a baby, uh, an energy drink for babies. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then, um, I had pizza faucet, which was just a faucet where pizza comes out. That's yeah. I like that. Yep. And then I, you got to see the PowerPoint to really understand it fully, but you know, we'll get there when we tour together at some point, you'll get the PowerPoint. It has become a very popular thing in our bus. Um, but yeah, just, wow, that was a good tangent about books and stuff. I'm telling you, we, we have brains. We're not just empty skulled rockers that just are sitting in their living yeah. rooms at their <laughs> laptops. Well, this is my only social interaction for the week, so most of the time I am that. Um, no, I know. I'm, let's I'm, talk about... Um, Let's talk about Of Mice and Men a little bit. Before we get to the new stuff, because I definitely want to talk about that, just share with me some like highlights of that. You, what, what were your, some of your like favorite shows, favorite tours that you've done thus far? Oh, anytime we've been able to go to Japan. I've just, never it, been to Japan. Oh, it's just so fantastic. Oh. They're just, they're, the, the, the Japanese culture is just so... I have family Fantastic. there. People are just so kind and uh, I really got to go music scene. They just really, really value and appreciate heavy music. Are the and shows, it, it is, do, do you feel like you're fantastic? They're nuts. Are, are your, are the draws so bigger good. there? You feel like, uh, I feel like, yeah, if you're an international band, 
Man, there I want to go there. Yeah, I had I, this is wild, right? So like I had the first time we went to Japan, I think it was maybe 2013. And I had people that were bringing Jamie's Elsewhere CDs that were coming up and being like, will you sign this? Like, that's crazy. There was such a heavy scene. Like they're real fans of like you. Really, well, they, they, they're just real fans of the genre. Yeah. So they're fans of everybody. I feel like everybody that was there, it was just like they were just so happy to be part of that scene. Because, How many times uh, have you been? Uh, two or three, two. Yeah, we were supposed to go a third time, and I think they uh, our visa got denied. Oof. Yikes. Yeah, it was it was very bizarre. And then they and then they actually tried to contact us again, and we're like, actually, your visa is not denied, and we're like, okay, but we just canceled all the flights and everything. So yeah, that sucks. Our, we don't need them now. Damn. <laughs> yeah, it was really it was really kind of strange. Well, it's never happened to us, but I think, you know, that is absolutely bucket list for me. Every single person I talk to about playing in Japan says it's amazing. Oh, it is. Yeah. Or anywhere in Asia. Actually, people say like, what is it? Singapore or like Malaysia is insane, too. We've never been. Yeah. I I I mean, everything I've ever seen, it just looks wild. I don't know if this is true anymore, but our um, Ice Nine's guitar player, Dan, who was in as Blood Runs Black. um at the time had played the most attended metal show in that area or whatever, like that part of the continent. Yeah. I guess like Singapore, Thailand, I don't know, Malaysia, Indonesia or whatever. Cause it was like the first metal show allowed or something. And it was like 15,000 people. That's so sick. Isn't that crazy? It's wild. Um, well, that's dope. Now you make me want to go to Japan even more. Um, let's talk about the, uh, the new stuff. So you just released a new single, Obsolete. Um, It's fucking awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I listened to it many times since it's been out. Um, The artwork, super captivating. The music video is beautiful. It's like super fucking cool. Like the whole aesthetic of this thing rules. Dude, that that rules. Thank you. Yeah, I'm big on that. So and and like this, I'm a I love Derek Hess. Oh, yeah. Um, so if you people listening, if you haven't seen the artwork, like definitely go watch the video. It's super fucking cool. Yeah, um, it, it. Yeah. Frankie Nasso and the, and that whole team just crushed that music video. And Derek's a super good guy and uh, such a talented artist. Yeah, really, really cool stuff. A lot um, of feeling. It, it's it's not like he paints with his eyes. It's like he paints with his heart. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. Well, let's talk about this. So. Just released the single that came out what last week? Yeah, the thirteenth. That's a okay. Maybe. So a little more than ten days ago, about two know. weeks I, ago. I've been working on the second EP. I literally just turned in the masters for it today. So your focus is already so somewhere my, else. My, so my mind is melted. So when like, did you turn in this EP? Uh, ooh, back in uh August. So this has been done for a while, and we're just hearing it now. Oh right? yeah, you're, yeah, got it. Um, and I was reading about it a little bit, like how you were saying what the song was about and everything. And I think it was, it's pretty timely, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, in, which was completely unintentional because it was not at all written about being in a pandemic. It was literally about just being, you know, I, I think, and maybe you can relate, maybe not, but I think when you are a musician and you are in your thirties, you're finally cognizant of the fact that there are definitive eras in things that exist and yeah, that you are only young once. And then at some point you're not like, I don't, you know, 30 is not really a young person. We are no. adults. Yeah, I still we're adults. feel, I still feel like I do or like I did when I was 18, 19, 20, you know, I think I I'm more too, mature man. in my decision-making, but a lot of the times I don't necessarily feel older. Right. You know? So I think, one day it's really easy to wake up and be like, man, you know, am I a, am I a covered wagon maker? And I just don't see the cars on the road yet. Like, am I, am I like, am I, am I my space? That's like about to fold. You know what I mean? Like, you right. just kind of don't know. Am I a flip phone? Am I like a Motorola razor? Yeah. So it's like, you're not sure when people are going to be like, yeah, I'm done yeah, with so, this. Yeah. 
or or just what or maybe I'll be done with it. You know, right, right. You know, I, I think um, when you do things honestly, um, and especially when your inspiration comes from an honest place it's really easy to not be inspired <laughs> and it makes it really hard to kind of sit down and say, okay, well, I'm going to work on being creative. Um, I think that, you know, we live in a time where nobody has patience for anything anymore. Mm. And I think developing art, developing anything takes a lot of time and takes a lot of patience. You know, yeah. we have, we have, I, I, I was watching a video with a, where this guy, he goes, I can literally like Google the, the three best restaurants within a mile of me. He's like, nobody has patience to like go try places anymore. Like nobody yeah. has the patience to like develop ideas. And I think that obsolete kind of touches on all of those feelings in a way of like, I don't know. And then the pandemic happened and it was like, oh man, I, I feel like now this song is going to relate to a lot of people. Yeah, in ways that's true. That necessarily expected right i think everybody feels it at some point or another but it is really funny that you say that because we've we've always talked about as a band how it would be great to have a song come out that was like feeling the pulse of the zeitgeist and it all just kind of happens at the same time to right where like we've written about is like relevant by the time it comes out because a lot of times you know you finish a song and the something you have heard thousands of times fans will not hear until six to nine months from when you're finished with it. Right. And yeah, it's really fresh. easy to say if I'm writing about what's happening in my life in March, is that going to be relevant at all come September? You it kind of makes you think a little bit about kind. And, and again, this, this plays into the whole idea of what the song is about too, like a feeling obsolete or whatever, or feeling like, you know, it could happen at any point is, do you feel like, because of exactly what you're saying, people's impatience and in, in kind of the um, instant gratification of like, oh, I want to find something, so I'm going to find it right now. Is the do you feel like maybe the rock and and metal music part of that music industry is falling behind, like pop and hip hop? Because those people are like, they they put out a song the day after they record it. Oh yeah, you know, and it's great. I love that side of that or at least that part of that scene is just like oh i wrote a song i was reading an article about i don't remember who it was but it was one of those one some rapper that put out a song that his label found out about like two days after he released it and they were fine with it because it was you know had like millions and millions of streams but like he just yeah. put it out you know yeah i i think that it's i mean it's a different world obviously yeah right and, 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 and I think it's kind of it's the difference between people putting out movies and people putting out Netflix series. Yeah, that's where, true. Where I think, you know, you could with with a lot of rappers, especially the unsigned ones, the ones that are in control of their own masters and just use SoundCloud or uh, or Songkick or upload right. me daddy or whatever <laughs> service, whatever service the whippersnappers are using these days um they can just make something and go yeah this sounds cool put right. it up and then yeah. it comes out the next day and a lot of them they're not worried about making the playlists or submitting things like well we got to make sure that we have at least a week lead time so we can hit up dsps and you know like i think that there is a certain amount of it's almost like farm to table music it's just Oh, we made it. Here it is. Mm -hmm. But and I think I th like what you're doing, even with these releases, having them be these two EPs is is closer to what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Like it is closer to that. Like, oh, we wrote these songs where we're going to release them because they're done. And yeah. then we're going to be starting on these next ones and then we'll release those. Well, that was that was literally something that we so we signed with Sharp Tone at the end of 2019. Mm -hmm. Um right before the pandemic that's good timing yeah and like <laughs> we had you know or we had we had started discussions i'm trying to think of don't quote me on any of these dates because like i said my brain is mush i can remember <laughs> i can remember that uh i can remember tour fast tour furious in the entire lineup but yeah don't yeah. ask me about things from last week um no but you know so we had signed with we had been signed with sharp tone basically the entire year that we couldn't do anything last year um right and you know, we had told them 
you know, not only did we want to self-produce the record, but that we would really like to discuss the idea of putting out several EPs because, you know, we've found that a lot of our best material that doesn't end up being a single or end up being a focus track or a grat track or something, it ends up getting overlooked in the grand scheme of things, especially now when, like I said, nobody has patience for things like that. I think if you give somebody three songs and say, this is very, this is meaningful to me, the same way an album is that these three songs are meaningful to me. These are meaningful to the story of, of mice and men. And we think to your story too, you know, and it's yeah. for, for us, music is a conversations. And I think conversations are had in smaller sentences or small paragraphs. Their conversations aren't had in dissertations. I'm not going right. to have to dictate this entire conversation and, and start writing this book for you. You, but but you know what I mean. In terms I do. Of, it's yeah. yeah you're very in, eloquent in, of, in the way you say stuff. In, in terms of, I wouldn't talk to you for twenty minutes about something, and then want you to talk to me for twenty minutes about something. I think because right. then the conversation gets lost. Yeah. But I think if if for us we release little pieces of music that are all cohesive, that all kind of tell a story, and they all tell a story together. Um, when everything is released and all said and done, but you know, I think it just allows time to foster a response. It allows time for the audience to digest it and say, yeah, we like this. And then right. it allows us to almost recalibrate. You know, if we put out something that's a big swing and a miss to a lot of our fans, but some people like it, well, then we get to kind of refine our craft as we're doing it. Man, you are like convincing me that everyone should be doing this right now. I, I think that the future of it will end up being something like that. I think I agree with, with, with CDs going away. Like, to be honest, most cars, most new cars don't come with CD players. Right. My, my brand new computer I bought, it doesn't have a CD player. Mm -mm. Um, you know, stores aren't selling CDs as much. The only real physical format is vinyl and vinyl is sort of. You end up uh, having to release a double one anyway, if you put out a full length. Yeah, and, and and not only that, but vinyl is something that is is almost like it's the difference between somebody being a Marvel fan, you know, like I love the Marvel universe. Right. Um, and well, I don't, I, I don't particularly know much about it, but somebody who loves the Marvel universe and loves all that, it's the difference between having seen all the movies and collecting the comic books. Right. And vinyl, vinyl are the new kind of comic books. You know, it's kind of the physical, super thing. fan stuff. Yeah, and I think you know the uh, a three song EP is a seven inch, and you can do really cool things with the artwork, and you can do really cool things with colorways. And for us, it's not necessarily about selling people anything. Like, I don't. Have but that's anything. valuable have, to people, even sure, if it's not about like, selling it, right? It's it, like well, exactly. You're giving somebody something that means something to you, right? You know, and, it's funny because my other band, I, I play in this other band called Nova Charisma, who's on um, EVR, and okay. we're doing well. We did the same exact thing three eps three vinyls yeah over, over the course of 12 months yeah and it keeps the conversation going yeah I, it's I, great. I just think especially if you know glastonbury just got canceled and that was a big um that was kind of like a lighthouse for european and uk touring everyone was looking at glastonbury like yeah. okay if, if they pull out there's a good likelihood that touring is not going to happen were you year. line up were you on that no, but we but we do have dates this summer, you know, that are on the books right now. And what's we don't, the next thing you have? Uh, June and July in Europe. We like have. The, we were supposed to have uh, May in the UK, but there's no way. Yeah, and so we don't know the future of anything. Um, and the way that we could kind of ensure, um, not only that we stay productive and sane, because I think it's important for musicians to like keep exercising their creativity even when we don't necessarily have the the career element of playing live music i think that it's it's still really important to be creative mm -hmm. yeah. for your own sanity you know and i think I agree. um 100%. it was really it was really cool for sharp tone to allow us that creative freedom and at the same time um sean keith at sharp tone has been hugely monumental in things like liaising the artwork um, I feel like no me, one ever has bad things to say and, about Sharp Tone. No, I, I, I think, you know, it's 
and we don't I don't have bad things to say about Rise either. I think No, I mean it, it, I just mean in general, I guess I should say people go out of their way to say good things about Sharp Tone more yeah. than a lot of other labels. Yeah, they're they are they are at, at least in my experience, um their passion to the project and how much they put themselves in the mix to make sure that it gets received the way that we want it to be received. Mm -hmm. Cause it's one thing for a label to say, okay, well I'm going to take your product and I'm going to market it as best as I can to try and sell as much of the product as you can. And that's going to benefit you. And it's, you know, that's not wrong. That is how labels work. But with sharp tone, it's so much more about like, well, we are going to make sure that we do the right things so that your art is interpreted the way that you want it to be interpreted by the people that you want to interpret it. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, and and it it makes us work harder and it makes us, um, it's a very, very symbiotic relationship. That's great. Very nice. And you know, rise, rise for all intents and purposes was very much the same way. You know, Mm -hmm. we had just done six albums and we had finished our contract. So, um, you know, we had their blessing to, uh, to move on. And so it's, you know, and I think it's been great for everybody. So, well, that's great, man. Well, shout I, out I shout out sharp tone. That's great. And we have, so your album or the next, the EP fully drops. What date is that? February 26th, right? I believe you're correct. And it's called timeless. Yes. Okay. So everyone make sure to keep that date on your calendar, February 26th, timeless. And the single is out now obsolete. Watch the video. Um, anything that we missed covering the new stuff that you want to shout out? Oh, um, no, I would say download some recording software and just tinker around. If if you're listening, even if you don't feel like you're musically inclined, just download GarageBand. It's, I think it's free. Yep. And just tinker. Yeah. And just tinker around with it. And I think, um, I made this entire, I, I mixed and mastered obsolete on a 2012 MacBook pro. <laughs> it's, it's almost a 10 year old piece of technology. I think we, that's what our entire live show runs on. It's a, so. it's a single core i5 from yeah. like 10 years ago. <laughs> and I think it, it, you know, it, don't be fooled into thinking that the tools are going to limit your creativity. Cause you'll find a way around it. Yeah. Well said. And also I would just say along those lines, like, don't be afraid to like, play around with an instrument that you don't know how to play like just oh yeah especially with recording i think everyone should have even just a little tiny midi controller that you can like just pluck out melodies on and stuff yeah and don't be afraid to suck right we suck all the time you know (laughs) um all right cool well let's wrap up here with uh how we end all of our episodes which is with any funny or interesting tour stories you actually told a few already um, but if you have one that's uh, that's maybe a go-to story, doesn't have to be about yourself. Can be about whoever, as long as they're cool with it. Um, but yeah, think you oh, have one. Yeah, this is really funny. Literally, as you were like, at, so as you're talking, I'm trying to like visualize a story. Like, what would be a good story to tell? And literally, something popped into my head. It was one of the first dates of the Lincoln Park tour. Okay. And we are playing the song called Another You, and it just starts with a clean guitar that has reverb playing two chords, and it ha- and it's me singing like a high falsetto, like, kind of like note uh-huh. in the background, really reverby, and it starts really em- emotive and kind of, you know, downtrodden. It's, mm-hmm. it's a very sad song. Right, right. So we're playing live. We're in the arena. It's it's it, that tour was wild. It was just us in Lincoln Park and we played an hour after doors. So we were just like That's nuts. It was the most insane experience of my life. And at one point we're literally starting cool we're literally starting start we're starting that song and Alan plays the first chord and then he slides up to the second chord. And then he goes to play the third chord and he looks over and he sees that Mike Shinoda is side stage and he's watching the, he's watching the show. And Alan told me, he's like, he got nervous and he just hits the wrong chord (laughs) and it just delays the wrong chord underneath me going. Oh no. And I just remember turning around and (sighs) looking at him and he just, he literally just mouthed. 
fuck oh god that's so good and i and i literally we talked about it afterwards i was like hey so what happened uh in another you bud and he's like i just i saw him i saw him and i froze i was like yeah well he's, he's gonna be there so that is hilarious know? and literally uh he, it was so funny. There were so many nights where we would start and I would just kind of look back at him at that part and he nailed it for the rest of the tour. But Oh man, um, that's really good. It was really funny. And, and, and it reminds me of that meme that you, or that I saw a few years ago where like somebody delays, like what it's like to hit the wrong note when you're using delay. Right. Right. I saw that. And it's just like, Oh man. But it was really, really funny. Cause I, I do remember definitely feeling like there was a high bar when you're playing with Lincoln park and they're watching you side stage, you better not blow it. You know, right. so there, so there is definitely that pressure at the beginning before, you know, we, we became really good friends on that tour, but before you, before we had that rapport, it was definitely just like, Oh my God, my heroes. Are yeah. And you want the band you're touring with to think you're sick. Yeah. Right. Of course. And the funniest thing too, is Mike definitely realized that that's what happened. Yeah, I'm sure, like, I'm sure, like, I'm sure, like, it was harder on you guys than it was. He probably didn't judge any or judge you guys no, for it at all. No, no, no. Oh, man. I love those moments, though. Like, they're so honest, you know, even oh, seeing yeah. them happen live. It's like, no, they're it's just an honest, real moment. I honestly, you know? when, when there is a band and they're killing it live and somebody makes a noticeable mistake, to me, I'm just like, that makes it more impressive. Well, and especially is, when the, the reaction to real. it. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Like if people are having fun on stage and someone fucks up and it's funny that I love that. I love when that happens. It's, it's just a great thing to witness as a fan. I feel like, Oh, definitely. But if it's not funny, it sucks as a fan. <laughs> that is also true. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, dude. Yeah. That's a pretty good one. Oh, I, I actually remember seeing someone, I'm trying to remember the band name and I don't want to like make anyone sound stupid or anything. Cause it was totally out of their control, but it was a similar situation. And, and I thought you were going to go here with it. And it was one of those like really tender moments in a song where it is just one instrument in a really like uh, fragile vocal, right? Yeah. Like very fragile can crack easy or whatever. Right? Yeah. And for whatever reason, they couldn't tell that the instrument that was being played wasn't coming through the house and was only in their in-ears. And yeah. so it was just this one vocal that like, I'm sure it was good over the music, but alone yeah. oh, no. was just like, so on, it was so just, cringy. Just somebody just lamenting. Just well, like, yeah. And it was like all that, like very thick vibrato and like, <laughs> Oh man. Oh, and it was just, everyone was just like, I don't know how I'm supposed to react to this happening. Cause it was a long ass part too, you know, Man, one really time, good. one time we were in uh we were in Europe. I think it was like 20, maybe it was 2015. And we went to watch the band, uh, Watain. Oh, that must've ruled. Well, well, <laughs> <laughs> they started sound checking and it literally sounded like their guitar went through a like boss metal zone pedal oh god that was turned all the way up to peaking then going, <laughs> and then going into the pa sounds sick so any so anytime he would go to chug it it would just go <laughs> just oh, the insane god. party it sounds like when you're using like a uh, guitar amp software and you accidentally turn the cab off yeah like, yep, have yep. you ever done that yeah and it just yep. and you're like what the hell is that it's just a that, honky weird sound that's literally how it sounded it just sounded like just the most offensive sound and then the snare drum sounded like it was actually the floor tom mic that got switched with how it was eq'd it was like boom boom thump thump oh my god so it, it was literally we were all looking at each other like holy crap <laughs> what's happening right now because i guarantee you to them on stage it was probably fine right wow that band i i think it's the band and i i don't want to get anything wrong here but they, weren't they the band that got like banned from new york for a bit because they like oh, threw yeah, pig's blood on everyone oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> we were we were like two rooms down from them They're, like watain is, is is famous for like burying their clothes with like corpses and shit yeah crazy as a fan of uh metal like and all that stuff i love it as a vegan i'm like horrified by them <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know uh it's funny all right, man. Well, good stories. Um, 
thank you for coming on. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you for your time. Yeah, of course. And again, make sure you check out the EP February 26th, um, Timeless, and the new song Obsolete. Um, hopefully we get to hang out in person sometime soon. I would love that. Yeah, I think you're a local to me. We're around the same area. I think we have a lot of very similar friends. So we'll, Where are you we'll, at? What's your address? I'm in you Echo Park. <laughs> Dude, in my old band, we did that. <laughs> Dude, I remember like, as a joke, and, and we said, "Please send us all your trash." It was actually to our merch guy's house, and people would send bags of trash to him. Jesus, I love <laughs> it was it. hilarious. There's more to that story, and I know out of context, it's a really weird one. But if you got the vibe of the band, it makes more sense. But mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, uh, thanks again for coming on. We'll see each other in person soon, I'm sure. And anything else you want to shout out? Well, actually, real quick before we go, uh, where can people find you, uh, social links and all that kind of stuff? Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Aaron Polly. Easy. Love yeah. It. I, all I, right, I, tend not to, I tend not to make things too complicated. Easy. I don't have TikTok or anything yet. Nah, I because think... I'm pretty sure if I'm pretty sure if I get TikTok, like I'm just going to try and make viral videos that are just going to make people cringe. And I know. Then I'm not going to make thing. I'm not going to get any work done. It feels because weird. Because my, my thing is like, I make myself laugh, but I also think I probably have a, a somewhat eclectic and dark sense of humor. So yeah. I don't know that I'm going to make anybody else laugh. I agree with that. And, and it's, it's just weird try. to get TikTok in your thirties. I feel like, I mean, I'm not judging anyone to, for doing it, but like, it's an uncomfortable thing for me to yeah. be like, I'm going to get this app that is dominated you're, you're, by teenagers. Yeah. You're a grown man in your thirties and you're like, I'm going to sign up for this app. That's right. It's, and the thing is, I'm sure that there's content on there. That's like relevant to things I'm interested oh, I'm sure. in. That I, like. I mean, it's the but same thing where everyone's thing. parents is on Facebook now. Same for me, thing. all of the best and funny TikToks I end up seeing on Instagram. Yeah. They're out so there. I, anyway. haven't nec- so I haven't necessarily had a reason, yeah. but yeah, Twitter, Instagram, uh, check for the blue check mark. There are fake accounts that try and scam people for money. So Truth. don't talk to them. Truth. All right, man. Well, thank you again. And uh, we'll see you soon, I hope. All right, brother. You take it easy, all right? All right. Thanks, dude. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now.